You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex is happening in the marriage bed. Here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Allen and Shannon Etheridge. Well, it's been interesting as I look at the archives, Shannon, that the, the path we have been on with Sexy Marriage Radio lately is just, I don't know, I, I'm, I sometimes look back and am amazed at how easily there's topics, you know, that, oh yeah, we can just talk about this, and we go, and then and it's a great concept, conversation. And then and we pull them, we pull them out of nowhere. Sometimes, yes, absolutely. Sometimes <laughs> they're our best shows. <laughs> I know. Uh, but you know, we've kind of been on a different path, you know, because last week's was, I don't know, it was probably one of the deeper ones we've done. Yeah, we, we spice things up by talking about spicing things up in a totally different way than you would expect. I hope, I hope that people realize, wow, that that truly does spice things up, but that's also kind of scary. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I think we should continue the trend. And, okay. and, and let's maybe go a different route today, just because, hey, it's been working. Let's let's try it again. Sure. <laughs> and I'm a guy, so let's do what works last time, you know. So. Yeah, and, and we just don't realize how many different topics in life impact our sexual connection. Oh, absolutely. And so before we do that, though, hey, this is Sexy Marriage Radio. Glad you joined us. We'd love to hear from you if you've got something that you think is even off topic, you know, hey, send us an email to feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. We would love to hear from you. And I'll even put out there, jump on iTunes, give us a review, help us climb the charts, because those kind of comments help us spread the word. And that's the one thing I love seeing is that more and more people come to the Sexy Marriage family, because that just makes them the sexiest listeners in the world. Mm-hmm. So... <clears throat> Here's here's what I'm thinking, because you brought up uh, off air that, you know, there's all kinds of different influences that impact our relationship and the ebb and flow of life, the ebb and flow of doing a household and having kids, parenting, yeah. parenting and then sick parents and sick kids and job changes. And well, have we done a show about money? I mean, that was your question. Yeah. I remember back to a season of life where I can definitely see a connection between money stress and sexual stress, yeah, sexual disconnection. Yeah. Um, And so I thought that it would make for a really interesting topic because I think that money, whether you have a plethora of it or an extreme lack of it uh, and how you respond to that abundance or lack in a positive or negative way. I mean, it could actually go in a wide variety of directions, but I do think that money impacts our sex life. Totally. I mean, think about it. That is one of the major issues in marriage. Money and sex. Yeah. And if you bring up the topic of money (laughs) in some relationships, I mean, you can't. We're trying to deep water Yeah, you can't because... I mean, come on. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. yeah. And how many times do couples, um, you know, they, they sit down and they balance checkbooks and they make out bills. They review the visa statement right before they go to bed. Right. And they do it in bed. Not yeah. good. Not good. Move that out yeah, of the bedroom. N- yeah. Not sexy to take that stress into the marriage bed. I can't believe you spent this much. Now do me, baby. <laughs> nah. 
Yeah, could there be a connection between blowing money and blowing me? No. Nah, there. Well, I don't. No, I don't think there's. That's a big leap. No. That's a real yeah, big leap. Yeah, we won't stretch it that far. <laughs> uh, like like a Stretch Armstrong doll. Yeah, I like I said back in it was 2008. You know, I think that if you can find a person on the planet who wasn't scared yeah. financially in yeah. 2008, uh, you know, maybe there were certain industries. Um, that really benefited from yep. the economic downturn. Yep. But authors were not one of them. Right. Uh, because the two things that people gave up when money got tight was books and lattes. Yep. So you, we started seeing Starbucks closings. Yeah. Like, How is that possible? I mean, that. <laughs> I mean, just the year before, people had been buying up Starbucks stock yep. like crazy. And then all of a sudden we start seeing stores close. And yeah, as an author, um, I, I don't mind saying this just to kind of reveal how scary of a time it was for us. In 2005, we had thought, okay, we're, we're to the point with our book sales, speaking engagements, coaching, all that, that we could probably let Greg be a stay-at-home dad because we didn't want to both be full-time working parents mm -hmm. and our kids suffer, you know, be, you know, have to bear the weight of that. Right. So it was like, okay, well, if Shannon can no longer be as hands-on of a mom as she wants to be, maybe Greg could just be the hands-on dad. So Greg left his CPA career and became that stay-at-home dad who was trying to take care of everything, work re or uh, kid-related, home-related, land-related, all that. And I'm totally immersed in this life of being an author, but authors only get paid every six months. Right. And my royalty checks, you know, were flowing in there pretty nicely for several years to, you know, to, to allow us to make that decision. But all of a sudden in 2008, <laughs> when the stock market crashed and, you know, everybody was panicking and the house market got flooded because everybody, you know, wanted to get rid of their debt and all that kind of stuff. My book royalty checks went, or they dropped by 50% yep. from one six-month period to the next and by another 50% yep. to the next period. And so within a one-year span of time, I took a 75% cut in pay. Yep. And we were one of the ones who put our house on the market in 2008, not realizing how difficult it was going to be able to sell a 122-acre property that was priced way out of the range that 90% of the people on the planet could afford or would afford in these economic times. It took us three years to sell that property. And so you talk about a season of life where there was stress. Mm -hmm. I wanted Greg to go back to work. Uh, we wanted to get rid of that albatross around our neck uh, and downsize to a much smaller house and try to get debt free. It took us a long time to do it, but we did it, Corey. Three years ago in 2011, we we made that huge you know life change. And I asked Greg last year, I said, what do you think the best thing we've ever done in our marriage in 25 years of marriage? What's the best thing we've ever done? He said, getting out of debt. Oh, absolutely. Because we have more trust and more connection and more free time and just less stress in our lives than we've ever had. And therefore, our sex life has, you know, really, really blossomed. But I distinctly remember going to bed at night feeling like there's a two-ton elephant on yep. my chest. Yep. I literally 
could not breathe. I was having anxiety. I was having panic attacks. And being the sole breadwinner, I felt as if all the pressure was on me, that I had to just write more and speak more and do more. And I was doing all that I could. Right. And so I just want to speak to those couples out there who have bit off more than they can chew. And they're recognizing that it has really put a damper on our sex life. Do whatever you have to do to scrape as much off of your plate as you can. If it means getting a smaller house, do it. If it means reducing down to, to fewer cars, do it. Mm -hmm. if it. If it means totally radically changing your lifestyle, cutting up your credit cards, operating on a cash-only basis, only watching television instead of going out to the movies, cooking at home instead of eating out in restaurants, whatever you have to do to alleviate the financial burden do it. Yep. You will be so glad that you did. Yeah. <laughs> I completely agree because that's just, it adds so much stress and so much weight. And what we don't realize is that impacts everything in our life. The way we deal with stress, the way we deal with life, the way we deal with all of that is going to impact our marriage. Sure. We're, we're going to wallow in the tension of what do we do next? What, what, you know, how do we handle this? And I actually wrestled with a lot of anger toward Greg. I felt as if, you know what, pal, you're the CPA. You, sh you know, you should have, you know, prevented this from happening. You need to go back to work. But what I had to realize is, wait a minute, I'm pointing a finger of blame at him. And I was just as much a part of the decision for him to stay yeah. home. Yeah. I was just as much a part of the decision to add on to our house, to buy the new car. This is, yep. this is as much me yep. as it is my spouse. So getting angry at the other partner is not going to do you any good. Right. Yeah. Right. And there are situations where, okay, your spouse has put you in this because they did stuff that they, that you had no idea about. I mean, we, we've had emails about that. I have clients that they're in those situations that, you know, s stuff has been hidden and the credit card debt has just really flown out of the, out of control. Mm -hmm. So that's a little bit of a different ball game. Right. But your path out of it is together if the marriage is going to survive is, yes. is, is this whole clean slate. Okay. I don't like how we got here because I feel like it wasn't my doing, but I want this to work. I believe in it. I, I want, I, I believe in you. So we need to game plan this thing going forward. Right. And it's all about communication and establishing a budget and living by it right. and communicating each month about where any excess money should go to get that debt paid off. But Corey, you had mentioned earlier when we talked about the idea for the show that you've actually seen lack of money bring couples closer together. It, yeah, it can. And this, it, you know, a lot of it comes down to what kind of meaning do you make out of things? Because to some people, you know, money's not a big deal. They know I've got enough to eat. I'll be fine. You know, that's all I need. And to others, money means something different. And, but I, I have had some clients that when they have hit really rough times, their sex life improved because they turned to each other to comfort mm. and to enjoy. And it's, it was stress release and it was one of those, okay, well, this is a bond that we can make. And it's not just because they did it all for sex. It's also because they did that with their, with their relationship that they, they were a little more vulnerable with, I'm really kind of worried or I'm stressing out about this. And their partner was able to say, okay, I hear that, but we'll be all right. You know, we, I, I'll figure out a way or, you know, so it's kind of this whole, you're just bonding to each other. And it's that go through crisis together 
can really produce some really good connections. And so I, it, it comes down, I mean, it's like we just mentioned, it, it comes down to the meaning you put on things. Yeah. And that reminds me, as you describe how it impacted that couple, um, Greg and I spent a month in Zimbabwe. Um, I got invited to do a speaking tour there. And so we were there with no cell phones, right? no television, no movie theaters, no malls, yep. not even a car. Yep. We had nothing else to do except sit around in the evenings by candlelight and talk or play games. Yep. I mean, it was the most simple lifestyle that these people lived out in the bush yep. of Zimbabwe. But yet the relationships were so rich. And when they sat down to dinner, it wasn't just they sat down and scarfed down what was on their plate and then went off to do something else. They would sit around that table for three hours. Yeah, that's just that's, that's slowly the thing savoring I love, their... Yeah, that's the thing I yes. love about the Italian culture. Yeah. Is just, that it's just such a family-oriented, let's, you know, a meal is, a, is an excuse to get together for three hours. And, and relate. <laughs> right. And talk and relax and savor and enjoy what's before you. Right. Totally. And, and you would never see somebody whoop out a cell phone. Right. Or you know, yeah, or hit the eject button and run off to their room because they just want to be alone. They, they enjoy each other's company. Right. I was so grateful that my kids got exposed to that. I wish that I could reproduce it as effectively here yeah. in the States, but you know, <laughs> we just, it. we I have so it. many distractions, but even leaving the cell phone out of your bedroom, yep. you know, it just, and definitely, like you said, maybe having money conversations in any other room of the house, except the bedroom. Yeah. And, and it starts with just exploring the meaning that you place with things. I mean, it's this whole idea of shared meanings. Have we have we talked about this before, Shannon, on just the, the concept of shared meanings? Even if we have, I, okay. you, you tell them, you well, tell them, and you tell them yeah, again. This is, this is the stuff that my clients get a lot of mileage with this kind of conversation of we don't recognize the shared meaning that we place on things. And the story I've come across that makes so, so much sense about this is – so you had this woman that was raised just dirt poor, you know, barely had enough to eat each week. Mom and dad worked hard, but man, they just, they were in a trailer. They had struggled all through the, her childhood on just putting food on the table, paying mm -hmm. bills. So one of the things as a little girl that she had always wanted was a red convertible sports car. So she does well in school. She follows the rules, does what she needs to do, goes to college, gets a decent job, finds this guy in college. They get married. They're both working. So double income, no kids. They're back. On, they're on their feet. They got more money than she's ever had. Mm -hmm. And she's, honey, I want a new car and I want a red convertible sports car. And he's like, let's go. That's awesome. We're doing great. We can get it. So they go get this car. And she has arrived. It's the greatest thing in the world. And he's all, hey, this is cool. I'm loving this car. It's fun. And so a few years progress. They start a family. They now have two kids. He, br he brings up one night at dinner. I think we need to sell the car to get something more practical for our family. The minivan. Yeah. And she flips out. Mm. And she doesn't even know why she's flipping out. But she does. And he's sitting there going, what? 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 I just thought. What did I say? Yeah, I thought this was just a good idea. But what it was is the meaning of that sports car was not a sports car. The meaning that she had on that car was, I got out of poverty. 
it was it became too much a part of her identity right it was it was security yeah it was a it was a huge message of okay if i don't have this car i'm right back in the poverty oh you know and and that's just it she, she's like what i don't understand how you know she didn't even understand it because she's sitting there saying this is more than just a car it's it's me he's sitting there saying it's not practical for kids and it's not practical for our family and you're a hot mom and I don't like you driving around getting all this notice, you know, and I, I you know, so there's other meanings that he has on it. And it's just, we don't realize the meaning we place on things is what trips us up. Mm -hmm. It's not the stuff. It's not money. Money is a means to an end. It's just something. What's the meaning you have on it? That's what trips you up. Right. You know, cause I, I think of the quote from Johnny Carson that the only thing rich being rich provides is you don't have to worry about where your next meal comes from. That's all it provides. But you do kind of have a whole new set of problems. Absolutely. Though. You do. Because and that's, that's I have his some point. Coaching clients that right now their biggest tension and frustration is he makes money hand over fist, but he, he squeezes, you know, his, his, his fist is so tightly closed with all that money. He doesn't right. want it to be spent it, you know, in his mind extravagantly, but she's going, I just need groceries. It, you know, the fact that I spent $250 on groceries when we have a family of four is not that big of a deal, but he's all like, that just is so much money. And right. she feels like he doesn't trust her right. to make judgments with that money. So even though he's rich, she feels poor. Right. And she's married to him. Right. So and that's, you can imagine how this impacts their sex life. Right. So that's not about PayPal, money. If you're going to be stingy with me, I'm going to be stingy with yep. you. That's not about money. That's that's more than that. That's about the that, that's the meanings. That's the, the the message. That's the story. That that's about control. Yep. I think it's about control, security, and power. Yep. But yeah, you, you again, you can see how that would translate. You know how that would impact their marriage bed. Absolutely, because we don't realize that. The message I have plays out in every area of my life. You know, the story I've created with things plays right. out in my life. I mean, I I grew up in a in a family where money was secret. Hmm. You know, where it wasn't talked about. Mm -hmm. I mean, we always had money in the sense of we could eat, we could have clothes, and you know, we weren't wealthy by any means, but we were okay. You know, we could mm -hmm. we could do things, we could travel, but we never talked about it. And I even had this whole mixed message world of, you know, we'd go back to back to school shopping as a kid and, well, don't tell your father about this. I'll tell him, you know, and it's like, what is that message? You know, that's, mm. that's a secret. And then I'd have this, I'd come home from college and I'd have new clothes or something sitting in my room. And at the same time, I would get the conversation of money's kind of tight. You need to be careful what you're spending at, at school. And I'm like, wait, then why are you getting me things? You know, I don't understand this, this <laughs> message does not, it's not clear. And so realizing that, you know, money is a symbol of love or, you know, I buy you something because that's how, that's the only way I know to tell you I love you or mm. that, you know, money means I, I can have safety when I'm older or money is how I control other people because I have power or, you know. Yeah, it's the messages and the ways we tie things to it. That's where we need to focus. Right. And in the most extreme case of someone letting money actually directly impact their sexuality is I was working with a woman a long time ago. She uh, was really struggling with the fact that she had had probably 
30 to 50 was what she estimated sex partners prior to marriage. And she, you know, she still felt like she was wearing the scarlet letter on her sweater, just, you know, really low self-esteem about all of that. Um, and very insecure about her husband, you know, finding out. But um, the thing that the, all these people had in common is they had actually been clients of hers. She had, she was a massage therapist. Okay. And so the fact that she had had sexual encounters with so many different people, men and women, it, you know, she just felt like a slut. And I yeah. just kept telling her, you know, you're, it's not that you're a slut, you know, you are a human being and you have dignity and you have purpose and, and you have an identity that has nothing to do with being a slut or a whore. So I kept asking her questions about that season of her life where she didn't have boundaries, obviously, because I asked her, I said, now, did they initiate or did you? And she said, no, they always initiated. And I said, well, was it usually that they were offering you extra money? Because it was usually, you know, in her massage therapy, you know, booth right. or whatever. Right. And she said, uh, yes, it, it, but it wasn't like a huge amount of money. It was just, you know, extra here, extra there. And I said, well, let's talk about what that money represented. And I said, tell me about your family of origin and, and how you grew up. And she got really teary. And she said, well, when I was five years old, my dad lost his job. And he never, to my knowledge, had another job beyond that. And we would have to go and live with just whoever would take us in. And she said, we never bought new clothes. People mm -hmm. would just drop off a bag of clothes at whoever's house we were staying at. That was their Goodwill rejects, you know. And and that was what she wore to school. Uh, it's just, you know, all this country and Western garb. That she, and she wasn't even a, a roper or anything. And she just, whatever people gave her here in Texas, that's what she had to wear. Right. And that when she was 16 years old, her dad sold her into the pornographic movie industry oh. because they were that desperate for money. And he figured she was old enough to make it. Right. And so you can imagine how discombobulating that was for her and her self-esteem. Yes. And so when I asked her, I said, okay, so from the time you were five years old, you are worrying about where your next meal is going to come from, where your next roof over your head is going to come from, where your clothes are going to come from. You know, to be exposed to all those multiple partners in pornographic films, you know, before you even got into being a massage therapist, I said, how did that impact your view of this extra money being offered to you? Like, were you doing it for the money because you didn't want to starve? You didn't want to go back to being in poverty? And she said, it wasn't about the extra 20 or $50 they were offering me. She said, it was a, she said, it was that I was afraid that if I told them no, that they would stop coming to see me mm -hmm. and that my clientele would go down the drain and I would lose my practice and I would have to go back to being a porn star to survive. Yeah. So for her to make the connection that the only reason that she did that was because of her financial insecurities, but to realize now that her husband was a very successful businessman, they had a very nice house, they didn't have debt, she didn't have to ever worry about going back to that type of lifestyle again, was what set her free. Yeah. You know, so uh, yeah, you're so right. The the value and the significance, the representation that we place on money, how we let it impact our relationships, how it invades into our communication in marriage, it definitely impacts our sex life as well. Yeah. There's no way around it. Because that's the stuff that we have anxious. We have anxiety over things that maybe haven't even been born yet. You know, <laughs> that, mm -hmm. that I didn't even know I was anxious about it. But yeah. this circumstance has triggered that, and now I got to deal with it. And the way through it to me, and I think to you, Shannon, is you got to be honest about it. You got to speak up. You got to acknowledge it in yourself first. You got to be honest with yourself and and unpack it. And what is that? What what's the message here? You know, one of my professors 
And when the first time he mentioned it, I was like, whatever, you know, but he always mentioned, okay, have a conversation with your money. You know, what do you say? <laughs> what do you say to it? What does it say to you? Mm. Because that's the way you start getting an idea of what's underneath it. You know, what's, what's the yeah. meaning that I'm attaching to this? And yeah. when I can get to that, I've reached the point of, okay, now I know more of what's getting in the way. It's not that, you know, like in your circumstance, it's not that 75% of my income is gone. Because it's interesting, Pam and I went through something similar, but it was several years prior to that. It was mm -hmm. before we had kids even. So that was a whole different stressor. We, we look back at, man, if we did that when we had kids, that's different. But just through some different choices, our income was cut 75%. Mm -hmm. And we look at those couple of years as the best years <laughs> because wow. we realize that made it, that's like your Zimbabwe experience. That was eye-opening to us where we realized I don't need what I thought I needed in life. Mm, yeah, you go back to the basics. Yeah, because I, I grew up where material things were, were meant something. And now I realize, no, I, that's not true. That's For me, it's not. It's I don't need near what I think I need. Mm -hmm. And what I really need is a small list. So if the more we can live that simple mindset the more it opens up that debt-free kind of feeling that I don't have the burden of some of the things because, you know, this is the message I'm giving my kids. The more you own, the more it owns you. Absolutely. And that's what we said about that property. We didn't own that land. Yeah. It owned us. Yeah. And, and I'm a huge proponent of Dave Ramsey, of his Financial yep. Peace University. I often say that Dave Ramsey saved our marriage, yeah. showing us how to get out of debt. So if you feel as if, wow, I mean, financial independence, uh, being out of debt, that's just so out of reach for us. No, it's not. He creates these great little seven baby steps that you just knock out one at a time. Yep. And within just a few years span of time, you're going to look back in the rearview mirror and go, wow, we did grow a lot and we are more mature than we've ever been. And we are better off financially than we've ever been. And you will probably find that your sex life and yeah. your marriage are better than they've ever been. Yeah, because you have to confront what's going on in yourself, because this is the journey that Pam and I've been on as well, that, you know, married to a CPA, which you are as well, Shannon. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm married to Budget Queen. She loves it. That that turns her on. Budget talk she loves, except for the fact I'm extremely defensive about budgets because I was raised where it was never talked about. So, right. That secrecy right. is no longer a part of your, so your what, world. So what she finally learned in our marriage was we didn't understand the value of vacation until seven years into our marriage, six years into our marriage. Mm, vital. Yeah. And so vacations early on were to go see family. And I look back going, what was I thinking? You know, I don't, I like my family, <laughs> but man, I'd rather go on vacation with my with my wife. Right. Put but, me on a beach. But with we learned guy. the times that we could have the conversations best about our future and about our current circumstance was when we were driving. So she learned, and I, I believe this was a conscious manipulation. Yeah. I'm calling you out, babe, on this one. <laughs> that, that she learned he can't get away from me on a 16-hour drive, so I can bring up budgets, and we have to talk about it. <laughs> well, and then hopefully you've arrived at some good compromises by the yes. time you get to the hotel. Well, and it's just that it's, it's more, it's uncovered, okay, what is this about me? Why am I so reluctant? Because I want the things we talk about. You know, I want this dream of 
life together and these things that and so we game plan how do we make that happen and that that's the budget talk we have not okay here's wherever we spend you know here's all the money we spend and that's you know dave ramsey i've not done dave ramsey's but i've i've know enough of it i think mm -hmm. that if you want to change your financial situation take account of where every penny goes Yes, you tell your money what to do. You said have a conversation with your yeah. money. That's exactly what Dave Ramsey teaches yeah. you to do. You make just, it work for you. When you understand where you spend your money, you change how you spend your money. <laughs> so yeah. it, that's the that's a huge step and change right there. But don't stop buying books. You can give up the lattes, but but buy our books, <laughs> right, Corey? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, give up lattes first. I mean, come on. You yeah. can make coffee at home much cheaper. And, and it's good. So there you go. <laughs> but I, I think this is a good conversation because yeah, but it's have something a conversation yep. about money outside of the bedroom. Yeah. Cause you have to realize, okay, what's getting in the way. And there's things that get in our way that we don't even realize. And the more I'm willing to sit with that and challenge myself with it and confront what I need to and bring it up, the better things could get. And I like that idea of, your bedroom and this is a this is your takeaway if you're a listener here at sexy marriage radio the takeaway is if your bedroom has bills and clutter and stuff sitting around the counters get them out of there if the, if it has stuff that you work on in there get it out of there the bedroom is for sex and for sleep that's it so start there and then bring up and, the other conversations. And the only money conversation you should have in your bedroom is to be able to look at each other and say, isn't it great to be debt free? <laughs> and look at what a great impact it's having on our sex life, baby. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is Sexy Marriage Radio. We're glad you joined us and took some time out of your day. We'd love it if you'd spread the word. Send us an email at feedback at Sexy Marriage Radio and tell your friends to jump on SexyMarriageRadio.com and join the sexy family that we have going on here. So wherever you are, have a great day, and we'll see you next time. God bless.